0: Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. I am your host Byron Pace. It is the 23rd of July 2020. I'm going to kick off this show with a big thanks to our Patreon supporters helping to make these shows possible. This week's top tier support includes Richard Stevens, Richard McNeil, Ronnie Speakman of rdcontracting.co.uk, Tom McCraith, James Benjamin Normandale, James Marchington, the guys at South Esher Stalking, Josh Starling, Sean Rowan. Thomas Cameron and Mark Zabrowski. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Pace where you can check out all of the tiers and the swag that we give away. You can pledge as little as a dollar a month, and every dollar makes a massive difference. To our competition, which we run every two weeks and a chance to win a copy of Modern Huntsman. On the last show, I asked you to tag me somewhere uh, with your favorite episode on social or send me an email. And the winner I picked uh, was from Twitter, uh, Dazzler at Yorks underscore Exile, who mentioned the show with Dr. Amy Dickman in a Twitter storm all around trophy hunting. So congratulations, Dazzler. You are the winner shoot me an email, podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. The publication, Modern Huntsman, are our partners on this podcast and you can check out some of the back episodes of this show. Uh, Look for the ones with Tyler Sharp in particular, or you can head over to modernhuntsman.com to read a little bit more about it. Volume 5 is now shipping. I think everybody who's ordered should probably have it in their hands or will do a day or two after this podcast goes out. It is the traditions issue, and we've already had some amazing feedback. You can order your copy on modernhuntsman.com, or if you're in the rest of the world outside of North America, you can order on uh, all the W's, thepacebrothers.com. If you want to win a copy of Volume 5, or indeed any volume from 1 through to 5, now is your chance. Simply rate and or review this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or I guess we could probably accept a podcast share. So rate or and review or a podcast share on some sort of social platform. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, with at Byron Pace, and on Facebook it's at Podcast Into the Wilderness. If you want 15% off all Modern Huntsman products on our website, thepacebrothers.com, simply use the discount code into the wilderness. Okay, to the show this week, and I interview Peter Christie, who is the author of *Unnatural Companions: Rethinking Our Love of Pets in an Age of Extinction*. I'm not going to give you any more than that because we we dig straight into it uh, in the interview. But if you own a pet, this is a must listen. And if you don't, well, it's still absolutely fascinating. Link to the book is in the show notes. This was recorded a few weeks back, so some of our initial chat about lockdown and uh, quarantine is a little dated by a few weeks, but, but anyway. I hope that you enjoy this chat. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my discussion with Peter Christie. Peter, welcome to the of the Wilderness podcast. Fantastic to have you on today, all the way from Canada how uh, how are things with you right now? I, we're in very weird times, and this is like how most of the conversations have started with almost every recording I've made in the last uh, well, the last three months actually. You're able to move around a little bit now with the the restrictions from the pandemic, or are you still pretty much locked down in your house?
1: Uh, it, it, we've been fairly fortunate here, Brian, and and, and thank you for having me on. Uh, that. Um, this my town is or my city is a relatively small city and we've been fairly successful in keeping uh, COVID more or less at bay. We've had a, f- a few hospitalized cases um, and a few in the community, but no um, uh, r- real records of community tra- transmission in this city. So, so fortunately, we, you know, we had a few people come in from elsewhere that, that have had the disease, but but uh, but we've uh, been fairly. Um, fairly effective at keeping it out of tr- transmission so things are just starting to open up today uh, the uh, Ontario government is allowing um, uh, restaurant patios to open uh, and that will make a big difference this is a tourist town um, uh, the sort of uh, patio culture is is very big in the in the downtown so so it, it should make a should make a big difference in terms of just the mood of the place i think
0: yeah no that's that's great we're uh, i think we're a little bit behind you guys but uh, hopefully we'll be able to move around fairly soon and uh, hopefully i'll be able to travel again soon which will be good uh you've got a, yeah. a book out which is perfectly in line with the kind of stuff that we talk about in this podcast all the time uh, unnatural companions rethinking our love of pets in an age of wildlife extinction you take a lot of box for the things that fascinate me. I imagine launching a book right now, things are not probably exactly as you imagine they would be. I guess you'd probably be doing some tours around bookshops and promoting the book, but you'll be doing most of it from from your desk and on podcasts and interviews at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, it's certainly um, far different than I imagined. Um, <laughs> we 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 don't do we, you know. I didn't expect to tour much um don't do that too much um but I didn't expect to be so eclipsed in terms of just attention you know um to the book, so it's it's been it's been a little bit tough for sure,
0: yeah, so just before we 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 get into this because it's a topic that comes up very often when we're looking at um I mean, the the classic one is talking about cat owners. And their lack of understanding of how much their cats impact, particularly wild birds, but other wildlife in their gardens, even in urban settings. Uh, and, and that's before we even start talking about the the food that cats, in particular, consume, but but all pets. Uh, what is your what is your what is your background uh, that led you to to writing this book?
1: I write about uh, conservation and climate change. Uh mostly I guess almost exclusively for the past 20 years or so most I do um, quite a bit of journalism still but I but uh, I also work for conservation organizations who hire me to try and get their message out
0: okay so Um, like lots of science communication yeah
1: that's science communication so um, I've been doing I've been doing that for a number of years Um, this particular project really arose out of a story I was doing for a news magazine here in Canada called McLean's. The government here had just decided to ban the import of salamanders uh, from elsewhere into, into Canada, uh, which was kind of an interesting quirky little story. Um, Apparently salamanders are quite a popular pet in, in Canada. Um, But the reason for the, for the ban was because of a, a, a sudden spread of a, of a fungal disease in, across Europe or across Belgium in, in particular, but a couple of other European countries were at that point just starting to show signs of a kind of the spread, a, a kind of salamander pandemic, if you will. Um, and it began, uh, it was a, it's a brand new fungal disease, uh, that uh, was traced back t- uh, to Asia uh, and was imported apparently to Europe through, through the pet trade. So, uh, Canada and the United States, uh, put severe restrictions on pet, uh, the imports of pet salamanders in an effort to keep it out of North America, which is which is where most of the salamanders on the planet live. We actually have more salamanders in North America than anywhere else. Um, so so they were very concerned about about this getting loose in, in North America and the spread of it. So uh, that really just got me thinking of, of pets. Um, you know, I was, of course, very aware of the all the uh, the Many years of news about the, the impact of cats on birds and small mammals in the wild. Um, so I began to just think, oh, how widespread is this as a as a consequence? Pets um, affecting wildlife. How 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 profound is it? And so I began to look around and, and through the literature and discovered that it's actually very. Uh, very, very profound. Far more than I could possibly have imagined. You know, between a quarter and a third of all recent extinctions can be traced to um, animals that have been um, uh, spread by humans and and, and uh, were as, as essentially as pets. So, so um, that's an amazing you know, it, figure. It is. It's it's it's, it's staggering to think. Um, uh, you know that that includes, of course, the spread of disease. Uh, diseased animals um, in particular uh, another fungal disease that was affecting um, frogs is 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 uh, has been traced to pet uh, to the pet trade as well and it's extinguished about um, presumed 90 90 species of of tropical frogs in in the past uh, uh, 20 years or so and in any case the the uh, the impacts really just uh, just staggered me and that's when and that's when I decided that this was a this was a book length project. I'd need to yeah. spend spend some time uh, really putting this together. And and uh, luckily, Island Press uh, uh, saw things the same way and and uh, and supported the project.
0: So let's let's talk about cats and dogs first, because I think cat yeah you know, cats and dogs are very common pets and. A lot of our listeners will have one or the other or maybe both. I have one dog that is hiding from the heat right now on my concrete floor. I believe you're a dog owner as well?
1: Indeed. Yeah. yeah. A long-time pet owner and 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 I think, you know, Brian, the, you know, when you asked me what got me interested, I think what's primarily uh at the root of this is that i am a pet owner and i'm a lover of wildlife and i think of those two things as kind of the same and when it began to dawn on me that being a pet owner was actually doing harm uh in in the wildlife world i just thought that that's that's the weirdest irony and i really think it's something that people pet owners animal lovers really want to know about
0: yeah so i mean we both have dogs let's talk about dogs for a minute I don't think. I mean, my dogs are. are I mean, he, my dogs retired now. But in his uh, in his heyday, he was a hunting dog, so he was like a, you know a working dog, so sort of an animal that was fairly under control. It's not like he had free reign of you know, free free reign of the wilderness around me. And I live in a fairly rural setting. But what uh, what are the negative consequences of dog ownership? Because I would think that most people would assume that. Dogs don't have much of a, a negative impact, you know. Especially if you compare them to cats. I mean, cats are the cats are the villains of most of these stories that you see in the print.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it 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 depends. You know, when you're t- talking about dogs writ large, it's a, it's quite a surprise for sure. Um, cats, uh, you know, when you're talking, we mentioned extinctions before. Cats have been um, sort of pegged as a as a leading uh, threat in the extinction of, of, of about sixty-three species in recent history, um, whereas dogs, in fact, ha, have been or uh, thought to be primarily responsible for eleven. So that, so that's you know, it puts it in some sort of perspective. It's not a small, it's not a small thing that most now, uh, you know, a lot of that it would be in different circumstances than your own uh, outside of uh, these, you know, sort of wealthy com- countries where people do tend to keep um, their dogs under uh, quite a bit of control. However, um, dogs uh, have I- impacts that are often unthought of. Uh, people who uh, let their dogs just uh, um, tear through the forest, for example, when they're in, in a nice walk through the woods, um, you know, they may see their dog, you know, chasing deer or or, or other mammals. And, you know, just those impacts of fear, the... Uh, um, the the fact that the, the animal has to run for its life and, and exhaust itself, you know, all of those things can have impacts on the, on the potential survival of the thing in the, in the first place. But dogs also eat eggs. They, uh, they dig, they can sm- sniff out reptile eggs and, and dig eggs out of, um, uh, in, 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 uh, South and Central America, for example, they're, they're famously digging up and, and eating, um, uh, sea turtle eggs um, and uh, other reptiles, um, but uh, dogs also have um, quite a profound impact as 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 vectors for uh, canine distemper virus, which is um, which is a quite a um, uh, quite uh active virus, a little bit like the one we're facing now. In so far as it has uh, the capacity to jump species, and and has been known to have severe impacts, um, on say lion populations in Africa, um, you know, basically from pet dogs kept by villagers nearby or, uh, or, uh, in fact, it, it's basically wiped the African wild dog out of the Serengeti altogether. Um, and you know, those, those, those kinds of impacts that are less likely to be seen in, in Australia, for example, um, there's a, a uh, an endangered plover that, uh, and one of the primary uh, concerns of, for conservationists there and trying to keep it its populations up is people letting their dogs run on the beach, and the dogs aren't really particularly interested in the plovers, but they they just tear around and just trample trample these these nests. So it's 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 a it's a funny it's a funny you know dogs are just dogs are just clumsy like we are. <laughs> <So> they, <laughs> They're, they're roaring around like a bowl in a china shop, and 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 can do damage without us even realizing it.
0: Yeah, it's um I haven't I hadn't actually thought about the uh, the implications of of the ownership in uh, on continents like Africa for for a while. I did know of the the wild dog story you were talking about, and I know that there had been vaccination programs for local villagers to get their dogs vac- vaccinated for that very reason. But it's uh, yeah. it's it's very hard to to get on top of it in these rural communities, and it doesn't take long before there are new young puppies and, and litters and dogs that are not vaccinated, and the whole cycle starts again. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's a problem that uh, you know that element of it um, is something that I think a lot of people don't really think about is the uh, the disease transmission vector. Um, which is, in terms of its widespread effect, is probably more prevalent than um, the actual like killing of other animals. Uh,
1: it in 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 terms of its impacts on on populations and the continued existence of particular species, it it is larger. I think uh, according to the IUCN. Data, so it would be, it would have a greater impact for sure.
0: Hmm. Um, and if we turn turn our attention to if we turn our attention to cats, it's it's a similar kind of story. But I think if I'm not mistaken, the the, the death rate at the 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 teeth and uh, and claws of rat at the teeth and claws of cats is is far higher. Uh, and even among domestic cats. In you know, very in sort of you know suburban uh, England, uh, you don't have to go out into the the wilds and remote regions of Africa to have uh, really quite devastating effects on on populations. Like you have with dogs, with more freedom to roam, your very seemingly docile cat that'll be sleeping in your house during the day is sometimes causing carnage at night.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um... Yeah. Cats, you know, cats are, you know, a, a, a better documented um, and more a, and obviously more substantial problem. They're just, they're, they're, I mean, they're simply speaking, they're just better predators than, than dogs are there. You know, more recently domesticated by, you know, uh, tens of millennia. Um, uh, it's, so they're, 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 um, you know, and they, and they're independent hunters, not pack hunters, like, like, like the descendants of dogs used to be. So, so they, they, they on their own are very, very effective killers and, um, and uh, they take out a lot, a lot of animals, Um, you know, in, in North America, in the United States, for for instance, it's between one and 4 billion birds have been documented, 22 billion uh, potential, potentially um, small mammals. It, it's
0: over what it's, period of time uh, is that?
1: Uh, that's a that's annual. That's an that's wow. those are annual. annual that's yeah. a
0: crazy number.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. They're 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 staggering. And those are, those are the that's the research from uh, Peter Mara and his group from Smithsonian. <clears throat> um, they did it. A, I guess it's about seven years ago that those those kinds of numbers came out. And and that that has really shown no. Real sign of slowing down in in Canada. Here we we estimate that we lose about three hundred um, million uh, birds to, to cats um, um, here. And so it's 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 still it's it. These are these are staggering staggering figures when you think about it. Um, you know, I guess the the cat people would say a lot of those animals will you know are are the young migratory birds that may have perished by other means along the way. And that's partly true. <clears throat> However, um, that just the sheer numbers make it, uh, worthwhile. And we also, you know, very, you know, worthwhile to consider rather. We also know very well that the introduction of cats <clears throat> along with rats and, and, um, and, and, foxes and pigs, uh, to, to Island, uh, to islands around the world have really, um, uh, have been instrumental in in population uh, losses and, and declines in in, in uh, of staggering proportions and 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 the extinctions so so we're pretty clear on the on the question of cats there they are uh, subsidized killers that have a very very direct impact on on the wild world
0: hmm. I, I think the interesting uh, the interesting element of this that comes to mind is that and you bring this up in in your book, is that pet ownership is as a parallel for our our love and enjoyment of wildlife, but it's like the wildlife that we can kind of control because we've domesticated it, and for the most part, it lives in our house, and we we get that interaction and enjoyment out of it. In recent years, there's become this increasing awareness of human impact and 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 that is tied to pet ownership as well like we've just been discussing um, on the planet um, you know p- particularly ecosystems and uh, our negative impact on on wildlife in particular and almost in this this love of wildlife through pet ownership is inadvertently smothering and killing the very wildlife that we're in a way trying to emulate through ownership of animals
1: yeah that's right so <clears throat> you know it's a, a kind of a, 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 a sort of through line theme that I that I tried to develop through the book is is really centers around an idea it's just a theoretical idea because it's basically kind of scientifically unprovable but it's a, an idea that put, put forward by um, the Harvard biologist Edward O. Wilson many years ago a, a book that I read when I was a uh, a youngster in university. It's, um, it, it, it's a very powerful, very interesting book. Anyway, he put forward this notion of biophilia. It's essentially the idea that uh, to get ahead in this sort of evolutionary race, um, people or our, ans- or our very, very early ancestors uh, basically had to develop a, an interest and uh, a fascination with other living things. So essentially um, it, it's in our D- DNA. Uh, because uh, in in order to basically fa- find or hunt um, uh, hunt successfully, you had to be curious about about uh, the animals you were hunting in order to learn about their habits and and, and uh, better a- be better able to hunt them down. Similarly, um, the animals that were hunting you, uh, you wanted to know about them so that, that uh, so that they wouldn't uh, kill you. Or or the same with, with with plants that you know you had to know harvest time, you had to know where they grew. Um, so these kinds of this whole notion, this fascination, this wonder at the wild world was, is something that, that Wilson suggests uh, is likely really deeply embedded in who we are as human beings. And so, he, in fact, he goes so far as to say it's really the kind of fundamental basis of our curiosity, learning and wonder with the wonder at the world. So, so it's, a, it's an essential part of our restlessness and, and curiosity that makes us people. So, 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 so that idea is he th- he suggests in his book. and This is now what about four decades ago. Um, it, it should be like a, an impetus for conservation. This, this this fascination should be able to propel us to thinking about uh, the wild world as essential to who we are as people, and that we should perhaps put put um, put a lot of more effort than we do now into into keeping it around because we don't want to. Um, basically leave the world without that sort of piece of ourselves. And so uh, he suggests that that will be maybe conservation salvation. In my book, I'm basically suggesting, well, pet pet ownership is kind of subverting that idea. We're essentially, uh, by bringing animals into our lives and sort of in these controlled kind of circumstances, we're essentially satisfying this need. But but leaving so much else out.
0: It's. Uh, <laughs> I think there'll, there'll be a lot of pet owners listening to this, not uh, suddenly having this dawning realization that maybe that is the the kind of substitution that they're making. Uh, especially with busy lives, we don't have we don't have the time to immerse ourselves. E- even even people who who really want to, we don't have the time to immerse ourselves in nature uh, in the same way as um, our ancestors will have done. And uh, having having these the animals in our house is a way to do that when you come back from work.
1: Indeed, and 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 you know just all the more so, right? I think we're you know about half of our our 7.7 billion people are now living urban lives. Um, it's and that's going to only increase. I think what I really want to say, Brian, is that, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I, in fact, I, I you know. I encourage it. And I think, I think, I think Wilson would have, would encourage it. In fact, he he does sort of encourage it. I think the the, the notion, you know, pets are uh, important to our lives. They, they do give us a a level of satisfaction and connection to, to non-human ways of existing on the planet that, 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 that it, that is important to us. Um, I think the point of the book is not to basically say, or we need to give up pets and, and focus on wildlife. I think my hope is that by sort of recognizing why and what sort of satisfaction we get from pets will uh, impel pet owners, massive, as you mentioned, massive lot of people, um, you know, about, I think, about half of households in your country, I believe, something similar in Canada, two-thirds of households in America. Um, you know, these are a lot of people Millions and millions um, of people, if they just sort of sort of looked at their pet and said, "You know, w- why I love you is the reason that I should care about the rest of wildlife and 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 life on the planet, and and put some measure of their thinking and care and concern uh, uh, for their pet in, into a care and concern for the the, the wider wild world."
0: Yeah, the. I I think I read it somewhere in the book, but I I, I might be misremembering. You you gave an idea of the the biomass or number of of pets on the planet compared to people. I mean, people who have pets very often will have more than one. So are we, in in terms of cats and dogs and and terrapins and goldfish, do we have more pets than people?
1: Uh, We do in North America. For sure, we have a, 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 we have about uh, um, a third more pets uh, than people in, in, in America. There's about uh, ooh, uh, yeah, there's a, a, about 400, just under four. in 2016, there were about 400 million dogs, cats, fish, birds, reptiles, and other you know, small creatures in the homes of of about uh, 84 million Americans um, um, and about 84 million American households. So, so about 400 million pets um, then. So, so, you know, in, in Canada, we have about, you know, seven to 8 million dogs and almost 9 million cats. Um, You guys, you guys, uh, the UK, about 51 million pets. So, so
0: yeah, it you. okay. So, well, yeah, we got about sixty-eight million people, so it's not—it's uh, yeah. not too far off. I, I'm yeah. just thinking as, you, as you're talking about this, and I—I I, I agree with you. I think that you can—you can harness this, or, or people with a the realization, there can be a harnessing of the love for your pets that can cross over into a concern for wildlife and the environment. But in a landscape that we live in right now, where we are increasingly aware of the burden of resources around the planet and the the finite nature of many resources, especially as we continually encroach into um, wild spaces or, or the few wild spaces that are left. This is just feeding this number of pets has a massive impact in itself. And I'm just wondering where the... If the net gain is worth it. Now, as a dog owner, I would say that absolutely it is worth it because I, I gain so much from owning my dog and uh, looking at how comfortable he is right now. I think he's pretty happy with his life too. <laughs> um, but if I, I'm trying to take a non-emotional view on it, is there a net gain to owning all of this domestic, all of these domestic animals, which don't really? Uh, contribute anything they're not feeding us that we're not talking about domestic livestock they're not feeding us these are we have these pets for uh, emotional support in a way and for our psychological well-being
1: yeah so so I guess the argument I, w- I would make Brian is that I'm not a person who would ex- who would separate that uh, emotional piece I I, I I think that that is an essential part of this puzzle. Now, what you say is absolutely true. We we are uh, we are through our pets consuming resources that are at a sort of staggering uh, to a staggering degree. So, what I would su- suggest is that we just that through a consciousness of of, of these impacts, we 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 could you know potentially put, you know, a rain on it. So, you know, so that the people who have seven cats, you know, may be encouraged in the future to perhaps, um, you know, re- reduce that to, 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 to a single cat or, 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 or a pair or something, you know, basically to, to try and, uh, 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 you know, to, to pull, pull this back. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it is, um, you know, quite, quite a, um, you know it, i think it's just the the lack of awareness that really is having uh, that that's sort of let this thing run uh, essentially um a mock you know um uh you know a, a bet about you know about uh you know the 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 um, the amount of even just you know forage fishes that you know that that humans you know that's the largest fishes so anchovies um, sardines those kinds of yeah. small Glimmering fishes that 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 people drag net out of the out of the sea at, at, in enormous quantities. I mean, you know these are resilient populations in a lot of cases where you know these the, you know they have these extremely um, uh, fecund and, and prolific breeding um, strategies. But but even still, uh, we're 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 dragging you know billions of tons of this stuff out of the out of the sea. Uh, it's it's having direct impacts, and this science suggests uh, um, on seabird populations that r- rely on these things, um, and and h- huge amounts of this. Um, you know, you know. Of course, we use it, we use a lot of it in fish oils and 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 various f- other uh, food um, and even fertilizer uh, uh, applications. But 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 huge amounts of it. About about a, a, a seventh of it or so uh, goes into uh, cat food and and uh, and uh and dog food and uh, you know, and fish food you know these these kinds of things so so it's it's you know it's it's significant similarly um you know the protein that's that's um that's taken from uh cattle ranching um uh you know uh, that that you know that that is spreading like wildfire across across uh, the tropics and and toppling Tropical habitat, um, you know, as we speak, um, in in large in large amounts, just to feed the, the beef cattle industry. Well, a lot of that uh, protein from those that cattle is 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 feeding um, our our pets. Um, you know, in in North America, it's 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 about a third. It's a an inter- really interesting fact. I thought, with, um, in Australia, uh, fish protein uh, m- protein from fisheries um cats eat more uh, fish protein uh, per cat than than australians eat eat fish uh, you know fish and seafood per cat. So, so that, that you know that's 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 uh that's a lot of fish
0: yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> i don't know if you'll know the answer to this but something that's always crossed my mind when we talk about fish and cats is that a cat as a a mammal a land mammal wouldn't have normally eaten fish yeah okay they might have scavenged fish along the edges of rivers or maybe you know wildcats in north america would have eaten fish at certain times of year when the salmon were running and dying off uh but that wouldn't have been the primary component part of their diet throughout the year i don't know why we we, maybe it's just because it's easy and because it is a resource which at a time we we thought was inexhaustible was this uh, the, the wild fisheries around, around the world and it, it's relatively speaking cheap to cheap to harvest and so that's why we feed our cats fish
1: yeah i guess i, I guess the the answer to the question is you know in some respects i suppose it's a, a little bit of good news because as as you mentioned um there are actually sustainable ways of of of, of fishing. Um, uh, you know, the, these these forage fishes, for example, can can reproduce. Um, they have crazy population cycles that nobody has really nailed down very well yet. So that's the, that's a that's a deep concern. But but nevertheless, they they are you know a lot of these and uh, you know if if they there is there is a potential to for, for sustainable fisheries. I I know there was a recent paper in Science. Uh, last year, I guess, which spoke about just how resilient oceans could be if we lay off for just a little while, we could actually recover a lot of fisheries and a lot of fish stocks that, and, and, and biodiversity that, that have really been decimated simply just from greed. But, but uh, I think what, 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 is, what you're alluding to is a, is a good example of, you know, at least some good news. Um, we're, we're dragging fish out of the sea um, it, we're we're doing a lot of damage in that, but probably not as much damage if if we let cats go as we do in in the case of feral cats in America to to, to, to eat and kill billions of birds and and mammals. So 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 the 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 upshot would be if if uh, if left to their druthers, this many cats would basically decimate um uh the, you know the population of of, of terrestrial ver- vertebrates if yeah. if we if we let if we let them mm. yeah.
0: it's i'm i'm wondering uh, you you the the number that, that comes from your book is uh for uh, support uh, 170 117 billion dollar pet industry that is a lot of money and i'm wondering whether there is an opportunity there with the correct knowledge for pet owners of the impact globally. That There isn't a way that some of that money within the pet industry could be set aside to help counter the negative effects of pet ownership, some form of tax to to alleviate these impacts.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be great? That yeah, would, conservation I, 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 tax
0: on pet ownership.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm exactly. You know, I I, um, I make some mention of this in in the book, but I, I, you know, if 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 we could just make pet owners aware of 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 what it is they see in their pets and why that is also reflected in the wider world, even though they may never get a chance to see a a wolf in northern Canada, you know, just just the idea that it's there. I mean, they, you know, like you know, they, they could, they could follow David Attenborough around, you know, on the television, <laughs> you know, but you know, it's out there. it they These are, these are real living things that, that that are absolutely fascinating to us. And, and, and if we could just sort of suggest to them, you know, just a, just a, just a modicum, you know, like a, the, just a fraction, you know, uh, you know, what, um, you know, in 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 America, uh, uh, you know, spending on 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 uh, spending by the states and and federal government to protect its endangered species is about forty five times less than what people spend on their pets. So you know, I mean, if you could if if if, if you could just you know ha- have people pony up, um, you know, ten ten percent of their of of their annual uh, uh, spending on their, on their, on their pets, uh, you know, conservation would be a way to the races. It's, it's, you know, uh, there's lots of research that shows, you know, we uh, seriously underfund conservation around the world. And that's part of the reason, that's part of the reason that, you know, that uh, extinctions on the planet are about a thousand times or or between a hundred and a thousand times uh, faster than they would be without humans on it. Um, You know, that's this is you know, this is a calamity. This is a this is a crisis, you know, along the lines of of the demise of the dinosaurs where the extinctions are that um, are that are happening that fast. We could we could be tackling that um, with 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 some success if we're quite a bit of success if we just simply put some resources into it. Right now, we're we're nowhere close.
0: Mm. I, in my mind there, there's a fairly simple way to to funnel money out of that in the in the same way in and I'm not sure if you have an equivalent type of tax in Canada I'm uncertain but in North America uh the Pittman Robertson Act takes a and I'm going to get the percentage wrong off the top of my head but I think it's about 15% tax on all sporting goods so whether that's ammunition guns bows and arrows um fishing goods and that most of that money primarily goes into fish, the to fish to fund the uh, game and fish departments in in each yeah. state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. a very similar mechanism could be used within the pet industry. I don't think it would be too difficult to implement. I mean, it, it, there may be a lot of resistance, but I don't think it would be very difficult to implement because the the structure already exists within sporting goods.
1: Yes. I, no, absolutely. Similarly in Canada, we have, um, uh, at least in Ontario, the, the provincial government, um, uh, you know, ha- has a licensing system in which, uh, in which the you know fishing and hunting license fees go, go essentially directly to, to the conservation, um, efforts and, and game management efforts of, of, the Ontario ministry of natural resources. It, it, it's, it's an absolutely brilliant idea, I think. And, 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 uh, and, and, and one well worth pursuing. I think, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's, you know, you say there would be resistance, you know, there would be to, to some degree, but it, people are that, you know, when I, I think there's a, there's a, yeah, in 2016 or something uh, from the American Pet Products Association, they anticipated uh, pet owners were going to spend something like $400 million on, on pet costumes for the, for, for <laughs> hollow for, for Halloween. Right? <laughs> so, so, so I think that the pet owners generally speaking are, are, uh, you know, like, like parents, um, um, very willing to, 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 to pay, um, uh, to, 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 to pamper their pets. And, and if they were aware that, that this was, you know, just a little bit more for, you know, I, I don't think that the industry itself would have to suffer necessarily. Um, um, you know, I think the consumers, you know, I think, I think the industry could come on side by, and prove it's, it's, it's green c- credentials. It's a, it's, it's a lot like, uh, you know, those, the sort of eco-label approaches that have been successful in, in coffee and cocoa, Yeah, uh, yeah, to fair to trade water.
0: or yeah, yeah, ra- fair ra- trade ra- ra- rainforest, um, rainforest yeah. Alliance. Yeah.
1: If, if we could, if we could get a program like that up and going, um, uh, you know, with with some um, some measure of monitoring, so that so that the, the nobody's greenwashing, but 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 to, to 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 basically make make these industries kind of responsive and 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 to, to, to turn over some of this uh, this largess to to conservation causes. I think that would be a that would be a tremendous step in the right direction for sure. And it wouldn't have to be large, as you. As I say, like it's like the what what we need in conservation, um, it, you know, it's it's a, it's a hell of a lot less than than what our pets need to, to survive in our house.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Um, just turning our attention away from uh, cats and dogs. Well, actually, no. Before we do that, what can people do? Uh, to mitigate the risk to wildlife from their pets we're, we're, particularly to, to with to, in terms of cats and dogs because we, I want to talk about other less common um pets you know after we finish talking about cats and dogs
1: yeah so cats and cats and dogs are 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 are, are, are relatively straightforward forward as we've already sort of suggested and, and spoken around. There are, there are things that you can do that are quite obvious. And, um, um, you, you know, I think the, the, the more ardent conservationists would say, well, simply don't let your cat outside. Um, I know that there, that, um, that cat, cat lovers, particularly in your country, I think are, are very resistant to the notion. Um, n- n- most, uh, uh, UK cat owners, uh, you know, this research suggests actually have no idea just how deadly their cats are. But, but, uh, um, but people, you know, cats are, you know, the wildness of cats is, is it, is their appeal. They have, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I sort of suggest is important about our relationship with animals is kind of exists in cats. You know, we can, we can vicariously live that wild life by letting them, outside and watching them bring home a, um, you know, a, a, a meadow vole and drop it at our, at our feet. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's, they're amazing to watch and it's a, it's a fascinating process. Um, the, the, <clears throat> the thing about it is uh, it's not natural and, and, you know, these aren't, these aren't natural creatures in, in the UK ecosystem. So we need, you know, we need to be kind of aware of that. <clears throat> so the, 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 so the, the short answer is just keep them inside. Now, a lot of people say, well, my cat used to going outside. is going to go crazy if I, you know, lock it in, indoors all of a sudden. And I, and I can see that. And this is not a uh, this doesn't have to be an all or nothing necessarily, although in some cases it may be a um, uh, proposal. I think that in some cases we could just simply say, okay, the next cat you get, make sure that it's in, indoors. And for the cat that you do have, um, use um, some kind of uh, prophylactic technique, like bells, help for for birds, bird birds, and mammals. Uh, so the bell around its neck just tinkles and alerts a bird or a mammal, and they, they're they're quite effective. Somewhere around uh, you know a fifty percent reduction in 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 predation rates. <clears throat> um, uh, slightly more effective and kind of fascinating is a, a, a sort of a more recent invention called a cat bib
0: yeah what is that i i saw you mention that but i had no idea what what it was referring to yeah
1: it's a little bit like a little baby bib it just hangs around the collar of a of a cat and and it's funny it's it they've uh demonstrated it actually doesn't hinder the cat's um capacity to move around in the in the uh wild very very much um you know there's some you know, no, really, no more than a collar in terms of getting snagged and that kind of thing. So uh, it just sort of hangs just over its chest. Um, and interestingly, the, the animal can move around very, very well. But but it's just um, it was designed. Uh, it's fascinating. It's designed um, because the because cats have a very characteristic pounce when they when they hunt and the and their feet curl up underneath under their chest and they leap forward and then sort of release their feet. Uh, And, 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 and and this bib just interferes with that action enough to, to, to severely uh, impact their effectiveness, particularly, particularly the birds, but also mammals, but, but birds in particular, it's, it's very, very effective. It just, just, it just, it just just, uh, frustrates them just enough, right. To, to, to get, to get there. So they can, so people can do that and, and, um, and, and trim their cat's claws and those, those kinds of um, you know, there are a number of, of sort of mitigating things that they can do in the meantime before, you know, as they kind of wean their cats off um, outdoor uh, activity altogether. Um, you know,
0: cats... So get your, get your cat, cat a bib. That sounds like the solution. Yeah,
1: get your cat a bib. <laughs> get your cat a bib. <clears throat> get your cat a bib. Get your cat a bell. Um, the, you know, these are, these are things that you can do. And, and keep, your, keep your dog under control, don't, don't needlessly let it, you know, tear around through the forest while you're having a nice walk in the, in the countryside, um, you know, keep it nearby at your side. Don't let it chase down uh, deer or other mammals, um, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So don't just let it outside to, to wander and, and, and dig up turtle eggs or, 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 uh, you know, find, you know, those kinds of things, <clears throat> you know, that that's, or, or run or run around in in beaches or in, in national parks. These are you know these are common sense things that you and I can do yeah. as animal owners. Um, so, but I think the the main one <clears throat> is is that you alluded to in your last question is really to come together as animal lovers and insist, you know, from the pet industry and and from the people who who sort of regulate. The you know your 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 MPs or your your politicians, the people who regulate these things, and try and come together to to make the pet industry and pet owners together uh, responsible or responsive to to wild animals as well.
0: Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, being responsible is key. Now to to other species, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking well, i tell you the, the one thing that I hadn't considered actually, because I've definitely been guilty of this in the past, is cleaning a fish tank. Explain the care that needs to be taken with that because we're not talk- and I'm not talking about uh, releasing non-native fish into waterways. I'm just talking about the actual water from cleaning a fish tank, and I think a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, I really need to consider this a bit more."
1: Yeah, <clears throat>
0: true enough. Yeah,
1: no, it's it, uh, and that, that's a big one. It's been a, a big one, particularly here in, in Ontario. But um, people, and you, you say you've been guilty. I, I, I hold my hand up high as well. Um, uh, you, you know, you, when you are cleaning your fish tank, uh, a lot of water in a fish tank. Uh, it, it's 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 a pain in the butt to try and pour it down a sink or, or, or even down your toilet. So so people just wander outside and and pour it into the nearest stream or into a back pond or whatever it is and <clears throat> and what goes with that fish water is is often and we were talking about diseases or the pathogens that the, that these tropical fish have brought with them from far away. So, 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 you know, um, uh, it can be the release of disease. It can be a relief of, 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 um, foreign algal, you know, algae It can be the release of, of, uh, snails and, and, and mollusks of different, different varieties, uh, l- little plant bits that have come, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that can, uh, establish themselves in, in waterways. Uh, you know, th- it's, you know, the potential for invasions, whether it's disease or, or, uh, or, or foreign plants and, 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 animals is, is, is quite, is quite considerable. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just the same thing as um, you know, the ballast water that comes with these uh, ship big ships that, that have essentially fouled uh, and and transformed the ecosystems of the lakes of, of uh, the uh, great lakes of, of North America here. you know, um, It's essentially you're just, That's just a, you're just taking uh, an entire ecosystem from somewhere else and, and, and releasing it into, into, into this sort of uh, 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 native place and, and, and the consequences can be quite significant. And, and then, you know, and then there's just simply the release of, of fish we have a, we have a, a particular problem with. With goldfish in in uh, goldfish. small, yeah, yeah with in, with gold, gold released pet goldfish in 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 small uh, lakes and around around.
0: Yeah, I can I can totally imagine this because where I went to, where I went to university in Stirling in Scotland, uh, the whole university campus was built around a lake, and of course, as students do, I guess uh, when you're staying in halls of residence, um, people would get fish for company, I suppose. And yeah. uh, at the end of the, your year, it's, you got you go home for the summer. And what the hell are you going to do with the fish? Most people don't take it with them, <laughs> so they dumped yeah. these fish, uh, these goldfish, into the lake. And there were some massive goldfish, and I mean, they basically reverted back to being like carp. Uh, but yeah. what are the yeah. what are the direct consequences uh, there? I, I mean. It was an artificial lake anyway, and I don't think there was any way for them to get into other waterways. I think it was fairly self-contained, so the the effects there are, I would suggest, fairly minimal. And we did have a massive aquaculture um, department there, so I think they probably would have been on top of it if it had been, you know, a bigger problem beyond that lake. But what are the impacts that you're seeing from people releasing goldfish? You know, I
1: don't know this story in Ontario that well. I mean, they're 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 you know, they're not, they're not, um, they're not surviving typically long enough to, to get into that sort of koi place where they're competing with the, with the native carp here. We have a, we have a large native carp that's very successful, uh, in, in Lake Ontario and elsewhere. Um, but they do, uh, you know, know, they're, they're going to eat the fry of, of other fishes, including sports fishes, um, bass and whatnot. Um, they're, you know they're uh, more of a nuisance perhaps than 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 a, a profound problem at this point. You know they're, they're, they they occupy uh, you know a, a, a space in the in the sort of uh, they offer, occupy a niche in, in the sort of ecosystem that that might otherwise have 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 satisfied and 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 sustained um, native native species of different varieties yeah. um and they are and they're pro- prolific and tough right they're they're, they're just
0: they are tough yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they
1: can they can they can survive um, um the perturbations and and problems that uh, other native species may have may be less successful at so 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 they're they pose m- more of a Threat than uh, and, than and, uh, known risk, I guess at this point. But uh, you know there are lots and lots of examples of of released pets. I, you know, uh, my my favorite was because I, I went down to for the book. I went down to Florida to 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 uh, go out into the Everglades to 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 hunt Burmese pythons with oh, with yes. a very with a very colorful character, and it's a very interesting story. So here's a case where um you know i think the first was discovered somewhere in the late 70s in everglades national park but a burmese of a burmese python so uh you know the 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 uh speculation was and in fact i think you know it's been sort of demonstrated that people in florida love to love their exotic pets it's actually kind of an exotic pet capital um in miami there and and uh, and similarly you know they buy a uh, you know a, an eight inch long uh, boa constrictor from from uh, the local pet store and they feed it for a couple of years and discover that suddenly it's three feet long and and they don't really have uh you know room or or, or any inclination to care any longer for for a, a snake of that size and so they release it into the into the local marsh well now these animals have essentially uh, uh, are replacing the apex predators of the place they're the the Alliga- American alligators that <clears throat> are so common there, and and there are crocodiles as well. Um, and uh, in fact, and are eating them. They're in there, so now there are uh, an estimated close to a million of these uh, pythons, and some of them are enormous. Uh, you know, twelve to sixteen.
0: They've adapted e- very well to that environment.
1: Oh yeah. They, you know, they, 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 they love it. Um, you know, cause there's the, you know, the, the place used to be filled with these marsh hares. It was, it was, endemic to, to the Everglades and, and these, these things are you know, and, and all the, the herons and whatnot, these, these animals are going crazy. It's like a, a smorgasbord for them. Because there, was <laughs> nothing, there, there was nothing, nothing that really uh, occupied that, that, that sort of niche, the crocodiles, of course, we would, we're you know eating these birds and but stuff, but they're even but the eating the.
0: They're even eating the. It's alligators there. Is it? Do they have alligators and crocodiles? Yeah, yeah, they there? they But these pythons are now eating the alligators and crocodiles, aren't they? Exactly. Yep, yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's and it's and it's staggering to see. We went out on this hunt, and these these snakes are massive. It's really it's really uh, it's incredible.
0: So what are they doing there? To, to I mean, have they accepted that? They will now forever be there, or are they trying to remove them out of the environment? It, they are trying
1: to control them. Um, if they could, they would remove them. Uh, they haven't found a way to, to remove them, but, they're, but they do. Uh, at least the biologist I spoke to we do believe that that the, these control efforts, which are you know you might think are kind of arcane, they they essentially hire uh, these guys to go out and drive the the levees through the, through the marsh, you know, with their trucks and and look for snakes and they jump out and kind of wrestle them and then <laughs> bring them ashore and dispatch them. That, that, that's, that's, um, that's really the, the most effective way they've come up with so far for controlling these things. But the, the, I think that their hope is that they can at least, uh, you know, contain or restrict the, the, um, uh, you know the expansion of the of the, of the of the uh, animals any further, and try to keep their populations in check to some degree. I I don't know. It certainly seems to me that it's been um, something of a losing battle so far. They you know these control methods, the the extensive nature of the python patrols is that they have now is is rather new, so they're still still waiting to see w- what they end up with. Uh, at the end of the day, but they, they take out thousands of Pythons every year in the, in the past couple of years. So it, it may make a difference. What they're really concerned about is that these animals seem to be uh, acclimatizing to the cool um, you know just basically through natural selection. And um, with that they've managed to sort of um, move further and further north out of the marsh. And so there's considerable concern that that uh, you know as you get further up the uh, Florida Peninsula, um, the, the Everglades <clears throat> really laps right up against suburban uh, America, you know, these little streams and whatnot that sort of wind their way into the, into suburban backyards. And so the last thing they want is these, you know, a 12-foot python, you know, uh, winding its way up into, uh, you know, the, the suburban backyard of a, of, of, a, of a family that has, you know, two five-year-old twins or something yeah. like
0: that, you know. Do the biologists in the Everglades, have they managed to identify any species that the pythons are pushing the populations to a point where they're, they're declining?
1: <clears throat> yes. Uh, uh, I think that basically, uh, biologists I spoke to, something on the order of 90% of, of mammal populations in, in the Everglades, including marsh hares, uh, including even the Florida panther uh, are of, of concern and and de- and, and declining population. Um, whether how much, how many of those are are uh, attributable to the pythons, um, I think they could safely say that the, the marsh hares um, um, uh, and uh, other s- smaller mammals of, of of that sort of size, uh, you know, that's you know we we can see that that's a fairly direct impact. But the others. Um, you know have to speculate a bit but but uh, you know deer- but there could also
0: be knock-on impacts i mean this is it's a it's a complex web if yeah. uh, if you lose marsh hares and other mammals of that kind of size there will be predators which rely on them as prey and so you will end up with a knock-on effect there so yeah it, it's very I, I, complicated
1: yeah it's a cascade for sure yeah and yeah. and the same is you know the same with same with birds and aquatic life you know I mean, you you knock out a bunch of you know those those waiting birds. You know take take a, a significant portion of their population, and then suddenly, uh, you know the the sort of local predators of of, of smaller fishes are are uh, can can explode, and and these these again have knockdown effects of, of on the the prey fishes for those, and so it, it yeah. So really, it's just an ecosystem disruption, is what it is.
0: Yeah, uh, I as we've been talking, I've become aware that. Um, there's kind of this discussion is split in my mind between uh, the pet ownership of the type that we've been talking about um, cats and dogs and and fish and you know even some of the more exotic pets like uh, like pythons and that is sort of ownership in in good faith of those animals and with when it comes to cats and dogs I don't think there's too much issue about where they're being sourced but there's this whole other element of it which is wild animals being extracted from nature to be used within the pet trade uh let's maybe talk to that for a bit because that's it's it's kind of a it's a whole different beast that you it's the the effect in my mind is the uh, the loss of of those wild creatures from their natural environment more so than it is what how those animals will then impact the environment that they're now finding themselves in.
1: Yep. This is another whole Story isn't it? I, it, it yes. This is another so,
0: book, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, in your it, book, but you could have written a whole yeah. book just on on the well. A lot of that's illegal wildlife trade because um, quite well, even as, with some species which are you can legally extract from um, from the wild. There's a lot of illegal trade which slips in there and uses it as cover.
1: Yeah. So, so you know, just ignoring the illegal trade from minute, you know, uh, or, or rather sort of lumping the two together, you know, birds in particular, bird species, there, there are almost 600 species of birds that, that are commonly traded, uh, around the world, uh, uh, as, as pets, um, uh, you know, uh, reptiles, uh, you know, not, you know, somewhere around 500, you know, um, uh, mammals somewhat less, you know, around a hundred, but, 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 you know, the, the statistics are remarkable. Like rep, rep, those reptiles, those 500 or so species that are targeted by the pet industry, in general, they are five times more likely to be listed as threatened with extinction than reptiles that are not. So, you know, it really just, it just speaks to it, right? And um, uh, mammals, pet-traded mammals, it's three times more likely um, you know, um in, in the bird world, one in in four of every parrot species on the planet is considered at risk of, of vanishing altogether. And so so you know, parrots are extremely popular, you know, the most popular pet um, pet bird group throughout the world.
0: Mm. I, I, I mean. have a very hard time with um pet parrots. In my uh where, and I don't know whether that's I don't know whether it's fair, because it means that I kind of have a hierarchy in my mind of what pets are acceptable and what pets aren't. Uh, But when it comes to to parrots, and I I think maybe it's because of the knowledge that I have of how many of these birds are actually illegally taken out of the wild, being mixed in with the the legal trade, which is uh, birds which are bred within captivity.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think you're, you're right. Um, and this is a problem in general with the exotic pet trade. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of animals that simply can't be bred very readily or at all in, in captivity. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, uh, uh, an organizational pop up and say, okay, we're a breeding facility for X and, and, uh, you know, maybe they can produce some, but, you know, not nearly what's needed for the, for the market. And so they basically use their storefront as a, as a, as a sort of shield to, to, to launder these animals into the, into the trade. Um, you know, they, can, in some cases they can demonstrate, yeah, yeah, we're doing some breeding here, but, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, the parrots are one of these long lived, um, highly intelligent uh, require a lot of space. Um, their courtship rituals are frequently uh, complicated and, and sophisticated. So, so that it can, that, you know, these are not animals necessarily that are made to supply us with, with um, our playthings. Um So, 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 you know, it's, it's interesting in the reading I was doing for this chapter, it's, uh, you know, very, very frequently there are scientists out there who would, you know, just studying you know, the behavioral ecology of these parrots, right? They're out in the forest doing, and and it, it just just the n- number of incidents where where these wildlife biologists out there just kind of watching, and you know, at random, you know, watching a, a, a population of parrots, and 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 poaching would happen right there and then during the study wow. period. You know, it's, That's it's how like you're frequent just, it is. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's staggering,
0: and I, and I think that. That speaks to one of the main uh, as the main things that we can do as pet owners of uh, slightly more unusual pets like like parrots or particularly actually like you were saying particularly with birds birds of any type is make sure you really know where the source of these birds are and and spend the time and, and effort and go the extra mile to be absolutely certain that you understand. That it's coming from a, a recognized and legal source, because it's all too easy for you as an individual to contribute and perpetuate this illegal trade, which is causing the extinction of these species in the wild.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's that's absolutely right, and there, and 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 importantly resisting the urge which is common in 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 the exotic pet world uh, from my understanding you know resisting the urge to to want to have the rare thing you know there is a real there is a real you know sense out there you know in the exotic pet world where you know exotic pet people are talking to other exotic pet people and they say oh yeah but i've got the x right And, and the you know it's a and they're and it's like trading cards or whatever, yeah, like, you know, yeah, like stick,
0: trading but, like rare yeah. baseball cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: so, so, so you know, you really have to resist that urge because invariably, if the animal is 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 rare in the pet trade, it's likely rare in the wild, and and very likely that the the source of that creature. Uh, is 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 not on the up and up as 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 readily as it would be, and the reason it's rare is because it probably doesn't breed very successfully in captivity. So 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 you know that's one thing to be particularly aware of. But it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think that you know if we could get pet owners together, you know, exotic pet owners in particular, and you know sort of make demands of the industry that we track more carefully where these, these animals are coming from, you know, the bottom line is it, 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 it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult uh, thing to do as an individual. I mean, you can, you can go to PetSmart or one of these large chains and they'll say, yeah, well, we got it from, you know, it's all, it's all on the up and up, and but you know, somewhere down the line, you know, if if people aren't uh, you know m- m- auditing or monitoring, it's 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 pretty difficult. So if we had a, some kind of eco label process that had that had to uh, you know auditing processes in in place to, to make sure that this is you know that this uh, sort of more nefarious business is is being cut out of the chain, then that would be you know a tremendous help. And I think pet owners uh, can make you know can begin to insist on that kind of process. Um, 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 you know, if, if it, only, it only takes, um, a, a, you know, just it just takes some inclination, some sort of showing of interest that that will inspire some small uh, company to go, OK, yeah, we could we could take that part of the market, the part of the market that's concerned about this thing. We could we could do that by by showing that we have this sort of auditing process. And as soon as that happens and the bigger companies start to see that they're losing this little tiny piece of the market. Where that you know that they could gain back very readily, then you know it starts to gather. There's a snowball effect, and and I think that's how these these um, equal label uh, systems have been successful in the past. You know, there'll be some resistance, but but as soon as people start to see that they're losing a bit of the market, the the, the companies will come around.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it is true as as we sort of brought, uh, draw this conversation to a close. It is true that we're living in a time where people are increasingly aware of our impact, which is kind of how, how we started this conversation. And I, I think that there is uh, an element of this where maybe uh, maybe people just didn't have the information at hand to really think deeply about their pet ownership and its impact, whether that be cats or whether that be at the other end of the spectrum, you know, exotic parrots, uh, as to really what it, what are you doing to those animals and the environment around you by owning them. And people do care. I, I think that, and this, this kind of goes back to what you were, uh, this kind of goes back to, the conversation that we started with, is that pet ownership is a function of caring for wild animals, and this is our way of expressing that. And I think with the right knowledge as to the, the impacts that we're having through our ownership, you know, be that by extracting animals from the wild or uh, the impact of our, our pets on the environment around them, I think you're right. I think people do want to do the right thing and and that is the sort of the optimistic outcome from what could can be quite a pessimistic conversation
1: <laughs> yeah and, I, and 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 thank you for for emphasizing that because that was you know that's my you know that was the hope uh, behind the book i i i wasn't here to wag my finger at pet owners i i am a pet owner i love being a pet owner i think it's important and you spoke to this earlier i think this emotional connection is is part of what makes us human. It, it It is essential to us. It is, it can't be discounted for some you know, um, mere scientific, oh, our pets are a disaster for the environment. So therefore let's not have pets. No, I, I, I think we need to find a middle ground. I'm maybe I'm Pollyannaish in this, but I, I think that pet owners have the power and the interest and that love of animals uh, to, 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 to truly make a difference. If they knew, as you say, I had no idea. And when I began this project, Um, you know, I am, I've always been a pet owner. I've had turtles, lizards, you know, snakes, squirrels, you know, it's, these are, these are things that I, I valued every, you know, interaction, every experience with these animals. It's, it's been absolutely fascinating and a huge part of my understanding of the world around me. And I think that other pet owners, would see the same thing if they only knew. So I think it's just a question of saying to people, okay, here's, here's what we have. Uh, we have all of these impacts on uh, the pet industry. You guys are pouring billions, 100, you know, more than you know, 120 billion at this point uh, dollars into, into, into uh, the, the pet industry. That, that is, that is, you know, more than the GDP of 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 all but the sort of sixty richest countries. You know that that these are these are, these are staggering figures, right? And and so so we uh, you know we can make a big difference, uh, just as pet owners, just by insisting that we do things a little bit differently. Um, that means personally in terms of our care of our own animals, uh, but keeping you know trying to, to, to trying to understand that yes. They are part of the ecosystem uh, insofar as when they go out in, into the wild, they're making a difference, and we need to be monitoring that and understanding that and the interactions that go on there in terms of what, what they're uh, preying on, but also in terms of what we're feeding them, all those kinds of things. They are part of the world. We are part of the world. Um, but also to insist that the pet industry be more responsive and not just simply kowtowing to to the demand that, you know, that pet owners, you know, most of us just unaware of these impacts um just you know wanting more and more and more for 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 ourselves and for our pets
0: peter thank you very much for bringing this book to the world I, I think as you were just wrapping up there I was just thinking to myself what the, what we should insist is that this book is on the shelves of all the pet shops <laughs> so when people go in they could uh, they, they they should be see this in front of them and pick this up um, before they go and buy the new pet or or if they already own a pet while well, they're buying their their food to feed their pet is also pick up a, a copy of Unnatural Companions <laughs> so they can educate themselves a little bit more uh, it's been a fascinating conversation with you today and and uh i it, i know for a fact that it's going to be one that comes up again in other conversations that i have with people um in in future podcasts and i will be sure to um you know highlight some of the information that you've managed to present you know within this book and who knows maybe we will see in the next couple of years a move towards some mechanism of funding through the pet industry wouldn't that be a marvelous thing uh it's definitely not going to be the last time i bring that up and i think if enough people talk about it and if you can get some of the major organizations on side you know i'm thinking like in the uk the rspb would be a brilliant ally for that because i think most of their their um membership are probably cat owners as well uh so and, it would seem, <laughs> yeah. So it would certainly seem. Then we could get, uh, you know, some really meaningful amounts of money into conservation from you know, a very enthusiastic and loving you know, cohort of society who who enjoy having pets. I agree. Yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Peter.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Tune in next week when we take another walk into the wilderness.